Well, I can't wait to meet our host. I hear this is only one of his beat parties. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. All right, everybody. This is Harry Day with Two True to Lie. We're back for a new episode. It is late October. We will call this the Halloween episode. Tonight we will be talking about Valentine's Day. Just kidding. We will be talking about Halloween, the history of Halloween, whatever uh, weird tangents I might flop into about Halloween. I don't think I have any that I know of, but it wouldn't be a tangent if I knew about it. So, because my voice is harsh, horse, harsh, not so horse. Um, I've got some background music rolling here. It's uh, classical music, the classical music for horror movies. How profound is that? See, the thing about doing background music while doing a show is the microphone is right in front of my face. And the speakers are about, I'd say, two feet away from the microphone. But to my ears, the music's loud. And my talking is my talking. So I can't decide, is this wedding music? I can't decide whether it's too loud or not. So it's just gonna have to fluctuate. Let's, that's only been an hour and 40, excuse me, a minute and 47 seconds into the episode. It's time for a long pull from the Arizona green tea. Here we go. Actually, I'm drinking blood for the Halloween episode. The reason my voice feels a little hoarse or sore, horror, is because my son's sixth grade football team, of which I am coach number five of five coaches, basically I'm an assistant to the assistants, I keep the kids on the sidelines from wandering onto the field. If they're being called for and they're not paying attention, I yell at them to go out there. I do more than that, but that's just what it feels like I do. And I don't want any any glory or any credit. The kids get all the credit. The head coach and the other coaches get all the credit. Because after a season of I don't know how many games we played, these kids gave it their all and practiced their butts off starting in early, early, early August. So that's August, September, October. That's three months of practice and games to make it to the championship game tonight. Actually, it's 12.30 a.m., last night 
they played First Pres, First Presbyterian. That's the school that uh, graduates up to Jackson Prep. We are MRA, Madison Regional Academy. That is where I went to school. I graduated in 1987. It is not 1987 anymore. That school's huge. Uh, teachers are great. The kids are great. Well, we won the championship by the most obscure score I've ever seen in a football game. The only other obscure score that I can recall was when Auburn beat Mississippi State years ago, 3-2. to two. Auburn kicked a field goal, Mississippi State got a safety. Well, our sixth grade boys got a safety in the first quarter, two to nothing. Got a safety in the second quarter, four to nothing. And there was no more scoring in the game. We won four to nothing. You'd think it was soccer or baseball. Four to nothing. But you know what matters? We won. Those kids were so excited when they realized they won. Because some of them didn't realize it was over and they'd won. The coach was uh, running the clock out. Smart guy. Ran the clock out. And when the boys realized it and rushed the field in a big group, helmets started flying everywhere like it was graduation with those square caps. But they were football helmets. And some of the little brothers who are six, seven years old, maybe five, some of them, are trying to run out on the field, which is fine. You know, they hang out with us. They go to practices. They're just as much a part of it as anybody. They're trying to get in close, but they're kind of holding back because helmets are flying everywhere. So I'm I'm making sure I'm not going to get hit in the head with a helmet while trying to keep these little kids back so they don't get hit in the helmet. helmet. <laughs> they need a helmet so they don't get hit in the head with a helmet. Two safeties wins the game. And Street, his last name is Street, just a everyday kid, 12 years old, goes to class, plays football. He's at the games. He's at the practices. You don't really, he doesn't stand out. But he made both. <laughs> he made, he scored both safeties, sacking the quarterback in the end zone. I've gone way over the time I wanted to go. To win the sixth grade championship for whatever league or conference that is, I have no idea. But uh, First Pres beat us early in the season. And then a team out of Louisiana who we just picked up a game to pick up a game came to our field and beat the feet off of us they also broke our starting quarterback's arm. They broke his wrist in two places at the hand. And that's when Brody, for some reason, he'd never played quarterback before. He, he could throw the ball. And for some reason, he became quarterback. And we won every game from then on. 
And that was at least four games, maybe five. Five. It was pretty cool. Real proud of the boys. But I didn't come here on a rainy Gulf moisture night in Mississippi. Uh-oh. To talk about sixth grade football, I have a nice long list of information about Halloween that I'm going to go through as much as it hurts my throat. Can you hear the music? That last song didn't seem classical classical horror film music. Maybe Disney, I don't know. Is that Beethoven? Anyway, doesn't matter. I've got some interesting information for you. I'm backing away here so I can straighten my legs out. All right, I'm back. I was a foot away, now I'm not. The word Halloween dates back to 1745 and is of Christian origin. The word Halloween means saint's evening. It's Scottish. Halloween basically comes from Scotland, England, Little Ireland, It is uh, from the Scottish term, All Hallows' Eve, which would be in Gale or Scott, Scotch, whatever. It's the evening before All Hallows' Day, which is Saints' Day. It's a celebratory eve before All Saints' Day. It is all Christian. Doesn't seem like it now, right? Especially with the, the kind of movies they make that are scary. Oh, not very Christian. That burp was not very Christian, but it did taste like uh, peanut butter and banana, which is nice. It's said that today's Halloween costumes were influenced by folk costumes and beliefs from the Celtic-speaking countries and from the pagan roots of the island of England. There's a folklorist, a man who writes folk stories, who wrote, quote, There was throughout Ireland an uneasy truce existing between customs and beliefs associated with Christianity and those associated with religions that were Irish before Christianity arrived. A pagan sort of uh, Druidism, paganism, uh, earth worship, Possibly sun worship. So, what people did early on, the spirits that they believed in or were afraid of, and it could even be the spirits of their past loved ones, were left gifts to ensure the people and their livestock survived the coming winter. Because this always happened in fall. The offerings of food and drink, portions of crops, were left outside for them. The souls of the dead were also said to revisit their homes seeking hospitality, 
So places were set at the dinner table and by the fire to welcome them. There was a belief that the souls of the dead returned home on one night of the year and must be appeased. Seems to have ancient origins and is found in many cultures around the world. In 19th century Ireland, quote, candles would be lit and prayers formally offered for the souls of the dead. After this, the eating, drinking, and games would begin. This is the early origins of our Halloween. Is drinking, I guess drinking still involved with the parents. I've seen some people drinking while, you know, passing out goodies. However, we must trudge on. Throughout Ireland and Britain, household festivities included rituals and games that often intended to foretell one's future, especially regarding death and marriage. Apples and nuts, often hazelnuts, were used in these divination rituals. It included apple bobbing, note <laughs> nut roasting, scrying, whatever that is, mirror gazing, pouring molten lead or egg whites into water, dream interpretation, and other strange activities. Bonfires were lit and there were rituals involving them. The flames, smoke, and ashes were deemed to have protective and cleansing powers and were often were also used for divination or divination. In some places, torches were lit from the bonfires and were carried sunwise around homes and fields to protect them. I would imagine if it was really dry, they might do more harm than good. But we are talking about England, we're talking about Scotland and Ireland, where it's often damp, foggy, and overcast. Probably not a drought issue. It is suggested that the fires were a kind of imitative or sympathetic magic, mimicking the sun. They helped the powers of growth and holding back the decay and darkness of winter. In Scotland, these bonfires were banned by the church elders in some parishes. They were getting a little too... Uh, rowdy so to speak drinking and the church was against having fun obviously in Wales which is southern England I think bonfires were lit to prevent the souls of the dead from falling to earth these bonfires served to keep away the devil also ah the pagan weirdness I think we're having a resurgence in this in the Liberal Party. Um, can you hear me? Hi, if you said something, I couldn't hear you. Okay, now we're hitting the 16th century, that's the 1500s. The festivals included mumming and guising, which is disguising, in Ireland, Scotland, and the Isle of Man and Wales. I'm guessing London and Central England weren't into it. In Scotland, youths went house to house, masked, painted, or with blackened faces, and threatened to do mischief if they were not welcomed and given goodies, food, items, coins. 
From at least the 18th century, imitating malignant spirits led to playing pranks in Ireland and the Scottish Highlands. Wearing costumes and playing pranks at Halloween spread to England in the 20th century, the 1900s. Traditionally, pranksters used hollowed out turnips carved with grotesque faces as lanterns. By those who made them, the lanterns were variously said to represent the spirits or were used to ward off evil spirits, most likely. Notice they're talking about turnips. That is the interesting thing, and I'll probably come across this again. There weren't pumpkins native to the British Isles. They had turnips, and turnips can grow large. They can grow, not as big as pumpkins, but can grow big. And so, instead of pumpkins, think turnips. And that's what you have in early Scotland, Ireland, Wales, and parts of England. All right. I've completely lost my place. Okay, we are in the 18th century. Although the 17th century would take us to the United States. Well, to the New World. Anglican colonists in the southern United States and Catholic colonists in Maryland recognized All Hallows' Eve in their church calendars. Although the Puritans of New England maintained strong opposition to the holiday, along with other traditional celebrations of the established church, that included Christmas, by the way. True, the Puritans in the New World did not celebrate holidays they maybe thanksgiving but not halloween which is old or christmas which was i'm not sure which one's older they both come along around the same time i think christmas goes a little older into the old world into the uh into the uh, northern european countries so, almanacs of the late 18th and early 19th century have given us no indication that Halloween was widely celebrated in North America. It was not until a mass Irish and Scottish immigration into the United States in the 1800s brought Halloween as a major holiday in America, although it was confined to the immigrant communities during the mid-19th century. It was gradually assimilated into mainstream society and was celebrated coast to coast by people of all social, racial, and religious backgrounds by the first decade of the 20th century, being 1901 to 1910, when people started to loosen up a little bit. It was known in Cajun areas, Cajun now, so we're talking uh, South Louisiana. A nocturnal mass was said in cemeteries on Halloween night. Candles that had been blessed were placed on graves, and families sometimes spent the entire night at the graveside of a loved one. I wonder if they still do that now. I bet, a, I bet, I bet there's a small amount of people that do that. Not right now, because we have a tropical storm running our way for the third, fifth time this uh, hurricane season, bringing lots of rain. Hopefully not lots of winds. I think the coast has had enough. Um, I believe I did find 
what is this, an Irish Christian folk tale that is associated with the jack-o'-lantern, which in folklore is said to represent, quote, soul who has been denied entry into both heaven and hell. Interesting. I wonder if I wonder if uh, turnips, carved turnips and carved pumpkins were originally representative of souls that did not go to heaven or hell. Let's read the folk tale. Quote. Hold on. I gotta clear my sinuses. <clears throat> Irish Christian folktale on the jack-o'-lantern. Quote, on route home after a night's drinking, Jack encounters the devil and tricks him into climbing a tree. How do you trick the devil? A quick-thinking Jack etches the sign of the cross into the bark of the tree, thus trapping the devil. Jack then strikes a bargain that Satan can never claim his soul. But after a life of sin, drink, and mendacity, Jack is refused entry to heaven when he dies. Keeping his promise, the devil refuses to let Jack into hell and throws a live coal straight from the fires of hell at him. Now it was a cold night, so Jack places the coal in a hollowed out turnip to stop it from going out. Since which time Jack and his lantern have been roaming the earth looking for a place to rest. Unquote. That is a super cool story. You're welcome. Now in Ireland and Scotland, the turnip has traditionally been carved during Halloween. But immigrants in North America used the native pumpkin. It was softer, it was larger, it was easier to carve than a turnip. It's not as dense. Turnip is more dense. I grow grow purple top turnips. I grew uh, two little pumpkins. They were easy to carve, but they were little. I'm not a good pumpkin grower. I'm better at... Uh... Oh, we're talking about pin ruts. We're talking about turnips. The American tradition of carving pumpkins was first recorded in 1837 and was originally associated with harvest time which would have been in the fall. It was not specifically associated with Halloween in the United States until the mid to late 19th century, 1800s. Now we're going to jump to all Halloween costumes in the United States are borrowed directly or adapted from those of other countries, typically in Europe. Now the first reference to guising or wearing a disguise or a costume in North America occurs in 1911. Another reference to ritual begging on Halloween appears, place unknown, in 1915. Ritual begging, I guess going door to door asking for treats. And a third reference was Chicago 1920. The earliest known use in print of the term trick or treat appears in Canada in 1927. Now in the early 20th century, there were thousands upon thousands of Halloween postcards produced all between the turn of the century to 1920s. And they show children in guise, but it does not show trick or treating. 
Trick-or-treating does not seem to have become a widespread practice until the 1930s. And the first appearance of the term in the U.S. was in 1934. So this hadn't been going on that long, our modern Halloween in the United States. So we're going to jump across the pond to Europe. The following activities were a common feature of Halloween in Ireland and Britain during the 17th through 20th centuries. Some became widespread and continue popular today. One game is obviously apple bog the one game is apple bobbing or dunking. We all are familiar with apple bobbing. The apples float in a tub or a basin of water and participants try to get it out with their teeth only. There's another form of this that people may not know of where the dunking involves kneeling on a chair holding a fork between the teeth and trying to drive the fork into an apple in the water. That sounds di difficult. Another common game involves hanging up syrup-coated scones by string. These must be eaten without using hands while they remain attached to the string. The activity usually leads to a sticky face and laughing simpletons. <laughs> now, see, I've seen something similar to this that's a, uh, that's a gif, or a gif, however you pronounce it, about a hot dog hanging long ways down from a string, but, and it's got mustard and ketchup smeared on it, and then a woman comes up from the bottom to eat it, and it's very suggestive and hilarious. I wonder if that happened back in the old days. And then someone yelled, witch, and then the woman was put to death because she took in the entire scone. Hey, one can only dream. Another once popular game involves hanging a small wooden rod from the ceiling at head height with a lit candle on one end and an apple on the other. The rod is spun round and everyone takes turns trying to catch the apple with their teeth. <laughs> I guess, and not the burning wax. That's just bizarre. Who come up with that game? Probably a Puritan. All right. Let's have another sip. Oh, I'm out. Bummer. I'm almost done. To your chagrin. I'm almost done. Several of the traditional activities from Ireland and Britain involve foretelling one's future partner or spouse. So this harkens back to the earlier European custom of uh, fortune telling. In the All Hallows Eve atmosphere, one method, an apple would be peeled into one long coiling strip and then tossed over the shoulder. The peel is believed to land in the shape of the first letter of the future spouse's name. Right. 
another, two hazelnuts would be roasted near a fire, one name for the person roasting them and the other for the person they desire. If the nuts jump away from the heat, it is a bad sign. But if the nuts roast quietly, it foretells a good match. That's kind of cute. Oh, here we have a salty oatmeal baked. A person would then eat it in three bites and then go to bed in silence without anything to drink. <laughs> this is said to result in a dream in which their future spouse offers them a drink to quench their thirst. Unmarried women were told that if they sat in a darkened room and gazed into a mirror on Halloween night, the face of their future husband would appear in the mirror. What if you didn't recognize it? However, if they were destined to die before marriage, a skull would appear. Oh my gosh. So I guess dark-minded women would ultimately die and bubbly, positive, only sees good in things women would see the face of their husband. That's how I kind of meet that out. Well, that custom was widespread enough to be commemorated on greeting cards from the late 19th century on into the early 20th century. So I'm saying early 20th century, that's 100 years ago. So it ain't going on now. Maybe in old world countries. This doesn't sound like dark, classical horror music. Horror. <laughs> I love that word. I've been saying it every episode almost. In Ireland and Scotland, items would be hidden in food. Similar to Woodstock, if you listen to the Woodstock episode. Except they hid LSD in the food and drink. Here they hid, oh, what was it? Basic items, we'll get to them after, after we find out what kind of food. Usually there was a cake or a barm brack or a cranachan or a champ or a coal cannon. <laughs> I guess these are all types of cakes I've never heard of the last four. And then portions of this cake would be served out at random. A person's future would be foretold by the item they happen to find in their piece of the cake, such as a ring, which meant marriage, or a coin, which meant wealth, or a hair, which meant you're going to throw up and you might go bald. Up until the 19th century, the Halloween bonfires that we talked about earlier were used for divination, obviously, in parts of Scotland, Wales, and Brittany. Now, when the fire died down, a ring of stones would be laid in the ashes, one for each person present. In the morning, if any stone was mislaid, it was said that the person it represented would not live out the year. There's you some Halloween horror. Now, 
why would it move or someone could move it and mess with someone it's crazy how these old pagan you know a, a, a lot of gosh I'm going to sound so anti-Christian a lot of uh, America's culture obviously came from uh, Europe And a lot of it was Christian, but there's a fair amount that came from pre-Christian culture. From paganism, from earth worship, sun worship, you know, whatever you want to call it, the Celts. Um, it's really interesting how those their their lifestyles so long ago shaped where we are and who we are today. And I find it very interesting. And I really wish I had some darker music. Because this is just not dark music. I'm going to back it up one. I'd like to close up with some dark music. But instead, I'm getting a uh, commercial. Spooky music, magical music. I'm here. Uh, this all looks like phantasmal. Do you feel spooky? You feel magical? <laughs> There's some cool paintings. There's a bat. Uh, this is all Harry Potter stuff in it, so I can turn it down. Well, I hope you uh, found some interesting facts. Uh, I feel like I cheated by, you know, going through Wikipedia about Halloween and, and copy-pasting all the interesting stuff that I thought was in there. And then basically just reading it to you with a minute amount of comment along with it. And some uh, not-so-dark horror classical music. I don't think that's possible to have classical music that represents horror. But, you know, easy come, easy go, right? Well, Halloween this year is Saturday night. Hopefully it won't rain. Hopefully it won't be freezing. Um, be safe. Take your kids trick-or-treating. No matter how old they are, just ask them if they want to go. If they don't want to go, you don't have to make them. Go trick-or-treating yourself. If you're short, you can pull it off. If you're tall, just pretend like you're on stilts. The main thing is to be friendly and neighborly and kind. Because that's all we want. We want peace and harmony. I said it. Doggone it. You know, we want you to... Loved your loved ones. 
like you're never going to see them again. We want you to treat your friends with with respect and kindness that they don't expect to get because they just, you know, it, it's second nature to be friends. Make that extra step. Do as I talk about and make that friendly ripple move out, being kind to strangers or to just acquaintances. And just simple kind acts, smiles, thank yous, holding open doors, you know, buy, buy someone's coffee who's standing in front of you or behind you. Because all this love and kindness that we spread will ultimately help bring us closer to that one little bit that makes up a puzzle. We only spell it different. Because we spell it, PEACE! I was working in the lab late one night When my eyes beheld an eerie sight For my monster from his slab began to rise And suddenly, to my surprise He did the match He did the monster match The monster match It was a graveyard smash He did the match It caught on in a flash He did the match did the monster mash from my laboratory in the castle east to the master bedroom where the vampires feast the ghouls all came from their humble abodes to get a jolt from my electrode they did the mash they did the monster mash the monster mash it was a graveyard smash they did the mash it caught on in a flash they did the mash they did the monster mash Zombies were having fun The party had just begun The guests included Wolfman, Dracula and his son The scene was rocking, all were digging the sounds Igor on chains, backed by his baying hounds The coffin bangers were about to arrive With their vocal group, the Crypt Kicker Five they played the monster match. The monster match. It was a graveyard smash. They played the match. It got on in a flash. They played the match. They played the monster match. Out from his coffin, Rex's voice did ring. Seemed he was troubled by just one thing. Opened the lid and shook his fist and said, Whatever happened to my Transylvania twist? It's now the match. Now the monster man. The monster mash. And it's a graveyard smash. It's now the mash. It's caught on in a flash. It's now the mash. It's now the monster mash. Now everything's cool, Drax a part of the band. And my monster mash is the hit of the land. For you, the living, this mash was meant to. When you get to my door, tell them what is sent. Then you can mash. Then you can monster mash. The monster mash. And do my graveyard smash. You'll catch on in a flash. Then you can mash. Then you can monster mash. 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 Mash.